Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Yes FM. Uh, you're with Kath Kovac on my show, Women's Voices, where I aim to talk to a whole different range of women from all different lives and uh, from all different uh, stages, I should say, of life, not from all different lives. <laughs> and uh, like it's community radio, isn't it? And um, I have talked to women who range from uh, working in the healing space or women who um, have their own businesses and women who um, are into the uh, spiritual side of things and a whole bunch of different different women. Um, and today on Women's Voices on Yas FM, I am talking to Brenda Donjies, who is uh, currently in Queensland, I believe, um, but comes from um, the more southern parts of Australia. And Brenda, I've known for... Oh, I think at least 25 or 30 years or something like that. She'll correct me. Um, and yeah, Brenda and I thought we'd just talk about um, the general theme of adventures today because we've had some together and she's had plenty in her life as well. So welcome to the show, Women's Voices on SFM. Brenda, how are you going? I'm going very well, Kath. How are you? <laughs> I'm awesome. Thanks so much for joining me. That's all right. <laughs> I'll just admit to the audience here that Brenda didn't actually realise we were doing this live, so <laughs> it's a nice <laughs> surprise for her. <laughs> Yes, I have to learn not to swear. Oh, That's goodness. going to be interesting. <laughs> That's right. I'm sure. I'm sure you'll manage, Brenda. So yeah, um, I haven't seen you for a while, Brenda. But let's um, go back to I think start maybe. I I will just recall my first memories of you, and maybe you can fill in if it wasn't quite correct. <laughs> but I think it was in about 1996 or 1997, somewhere in the uh, mid to late 90s in Canberra when I had joined a women's motorcycle club and we had meetings occasionally. And then I went along to one meeting in the south of Canberra and that's where I remember meeting you. And you had at the time, I think, an 18-month-old and maybe four-year-old, two girls. And uh, you rode, a, I think you rode a big BMW at that time, or I could be wrong. Is that right about the motorcycle? That is right, yes. A BMW K75 RT it was. Right, okay. And I just remember being um, super impressed at the time that you had these two little kids and that you were still riding a motorbike. And, and well, for me, I didn't know what in orth- what it involved having kids because that was way before I had my two. Um, but I still thought it was pretty impressive that someone was actually, you know, managing to go to a meeting and ride motorcycle with, with kids. So, Brenda, um, that's my memory. And does that match with you? We we met a thousand years ago. I really wouldn't know the date, but it was probably somewhere around there. If my eldest was born in ninety, and then she was about three. Or, yeah, yeah, but yeah, ninety five. Let's say ninety five. Oh right, okay, and, yeah, uh, from the, yeah, um, yeah. I yeah. don't remember the meeting. I, I just remember all these women and and uh, and a motorbike club and thinking this is really good. I need to get out because I was a single parent, and I had to do something that was just for me. Um, but then I think I remember bringing the kids along to a number of things too. They love being on the motorbike. Mm. Yeah, they they were a pretty common feature. Um, so how did you – do you remember how did you find out about the motorcycling club? Oh, was Facebook invented back then? No, definitely not. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, okay, magazine. Oh, okay, there must have been a magazine that I was reading that had Wimmer in it. Mm. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, some Canberra magazine, I think. Uh, pity I would have said internet because that's the general answer <laughs> these days, isn't it? Yeah, I just Googled <laughs> it. Yeah. I was talking about <laughs> motorbikes one day old, and then Facebook. We did it the old-fashioned way back then. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Instead of the internet listening in on you and then just, you know, suggesting things based on what your conversation was. Um, yeah, I recall uh, – Actually, I'm not sure either, but I'm sure I saw an ad somewhere in because I was living in Townsville when I discovered the. Um, oh, that's right, I saw a flyer at a pub, <laughs> and that was advertising the Townsville brand. So, just a bit of backtrack for people listening who have no idea what we're talking about. So, um, Wima, as Brenda said, um, what is the Women's International Motorcycling Association, uh, which may surprise some listeners that there is or was such a thing. I honestly don't even know if it's still happening because I've been out of motorcycling for 17 years since I had kids. So I didn't have Brenda's um, ability to just keep doing it. Um, I kind of gave it up, sadly. Um, but yeah, so Wimmer uh, was one of the few women-only motorcycling organisations um, and it was an international one. <clears throat> 
Of course, so Australia had um, state memberships and we used to have AGMs um, every year or, you know, yeah, an AGM every year in a different state. And so Brenda and, and I, along with other Canberra girls, organised one uh, one time in Canberra during that time and we also went to many other places. Brenda, were you there when we went to Phillip Island? No, yes, no, I don't remember, Kath. <laughs> we, we, we went to Victoria and, and had a big rally down there at Bacchus Marsh. No, not um, that one. We went to Kiama for the big international one where we met those mm. those lovely Dutch girls, <laughs> um, which I subsequently uh, ran into when I was travelling around Europe on a motorbike doing all the uh, all the hairpin bends in the Alps there, and we caught up with them and they came with us and it was pretty fabulous. So that's connections that can happen mm-hmm. when you meet people in, in Australia. But, yeah, Kiama I remember quite well because that's where I put the foot peg through my leg and... <laughs> <laughs> ended up with a thousand stitches. Yes, well, I did mention that to Jeff just before we came on the radio, and I did say that you probably didn't want to talk about that. <laughs> no, that's, not, that's fine. That was one of those stupid things where you show off in front of people and <laughs> things go wrong. Are <laughs> oh, you were showing off? I just told him that you lost balance when you were sitting at the bottom no, of the hill. No, I, no, no. I just I was trying to get up that grassy knoll, which was all slippery, and I, I was trying because no one could do it. Everyone was being really slow and steady, and I thought, oh, I can get up this and I revved the bike up and it, it did a tailspin and all oh, they sort of slipped out the back and the foot peg hit my leg and I had no idea I did anything wrong until there was blood pouring out my boot. It was really weird. <laughs> oh. I went, oh, look, I've hurt myself. <laughs> oops. Yeah, oops. Yeah, I remember sitting in a hospital waiting room for a while trying to um, <laughs> wondering what was going to happen to whatever was left of your leg. Um, oh, there you go. So that's really interesting that you went and met uh, the girls overseas that we met in Kiama. So tell me a bit more about your, your motorcycling overseas. I don't know that I remember that, speaking of not remembering yes. things. Yes, <laughs> um, yeah, Susie and I, Susie's my partner, or my wife now, um, we went for a – we wanted to go overseas because the girls had talked about the Alps, the, the Dutch girls, um, and said we could should come over. And so Susan and I, we sort of worked out hiring bikes in Milan. And so we flew over, we, we hired a car, got lost in Milan, which is easy to do if you're not a Milanian. <laughs> and then we eventually, with some help from the locals, found where we were hiring these motorcycles. Susie had a Ducati 650, I think, and I had a Ducati 1100. And we met the Dutch girls somewhere around Milan. Um, And then we were tenting, so we had all our gear packed on the back of these bikes. And we did the Italian, the French, the Swiss Alps. It was absolutely fabulous when you've got all the wind in your hair and the snow and the sleet and the rain that comes with it. But, but, but still, it's, um, the, the Alps over there as a motorcyclist is just absolutely fabulous, uh, except for when there's no side rails and you're going out the side of a cliff and, and everything is just down. And if you, like, it's just down. You look over if you're game to and it's just like thousands of feet down to the ground and you go, whoa. And there's all these signs that go, you know, danger if your motorcycles don't go over the edge, which I thought was pretty obvious. But still, <laughs> apparently they had to put them up. They're covering themselves. Yeah. And, um, we did, there was a, a trek up there called the Stolvio, and it must be a, a, some sort of mountain range. We did, I think, about 52 hairpin bends to get to the top of that range. Mm. Ah, and on a Ducati, wow, it was, it was pretty amazing. I do actually wish I'd have hired the BMW, I think it was the R1200 at the time, um, RT, because I think it had, the, the, that bike to me had better, better ergonomics. Mm. But then I'm a BMW fan, so what can I say? Well, that's true. I'm surprised you hired a Ducati in the first place. Well, it was all I could afford at the time. I mean, I was a single parent and poor, remember? <laughs> you <can't... laughs> well, you were certainly poor after you came back from your trip. <laughs> yeah, well, that's for sure. <laughs> when was when was that roughly, that, oh, that trip to Europe? Kath, honestly. 5, um, 10, 15? Um, easy 15. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, it's a bit of a thing, isn't it? Especially also in Europe being on the right-hand side of the road. I just, you know, experienced this myself because I've just come back from a few weeks overseas. And in Spain, we were had hired a car. Nothing as exciting as hiring a motorbike, which I did consider, but then, yeah, it just didn't happen. And um, then you're driving along these roads and they weren't even as – it's not even the Alps like you're discussing. It's just – sort of hills but still with a fair bit of fall off them and yeah no no guardrails no side rails and you're driving on the right hand side of the road around a bend where just off the right is completely sheer and um although as my friend i was traveling with jane said at least there's like olive trees and things somewhat down the slope so you probably wouldn't go all the way you'd probably be stopped by olive trees (laughs) at some point but it's still when you can't see the right hand side of your car and you can't really see the right hand side of the road and then it's a very skinny road and then another car comes the other way and you have to move over it's all just a bit like yes so i I was certainly caught traveling on the actually wrong side of the road on numerous occasions one where a car was coming towards me and i wondered why it wasn't pulling over (laughs) but yeah i was at fault And, and the Dutch girls are waving, telling you, get over, Brenda, get over. And I'm going, what? Oh, okay, yeah, that's me. I know. It, it's really, really hard to remember to stay on the right-hand side of the road. I find I found it was okay as long as there was other traffic girls following or other traffic on the road. But yes. when you turned onto a road that there was nobody on, it's so easy to just go into the left-hand side and not realise until, yeah, I, I did see one car approaching me flashing its lights at one stage and I was thinking, why is that flashing its lights? <laughs> exactly. Yes, or, you know, they're wide-eyed. You can see the whites of their eyes because you're coming towards them and they go, who is this idiot? <laughs> Oh dear, that's right. Oh, but that sounds like a really amazing trip in the Alps. Did you have any other motorcycling trips overseas? No, I always wanted to go back, but there's so much more of the world to see. And once I'd seen that part of it, that was kind of, that was, well, if I had a lot of money, I'd I'd go back and hire a BMW. But um, at at this stage, we never did get back. Mm. Which was a shame, but if there's anybody who rides motorcycles, any women out there, oh, men too, really, um, who, who are thinking of riding a motorbike or who are riding and who have got the money to hire a bike over there in Europe and ride the Alps, just do so because there's just – well, you can get the, the Alps here, like the, the Aussie Alps, Kosciuszko there and those Victorian Alps, are, are similar, but – when you have so much of it over there and you're a motorcyclist that just loves bends, uh, it, it, it really is magic. Mm. It does sound like it would have been amazing. Some of the roads I, I was on, I did mention a couple of times to my friend, oh, I wish I was on a motorcycle right now. Yeah, yeah often. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's been, it's been a long time for me. So what started your little love affair with BMWs anyway? You know, I, I couldn't tell you. Um, I just saw a picture of the K75RT and, and I really liked it. And you know, I was talking to my mum about it and she said, well, Brenda, if you want it, you have to put a picture up and work towards it because my mum's a big woman when it comes to goals. You have to have goals. Mm. And so I got a picture of the BMW and I put it up on my wall and I saved up for it. But I, I couldn't tell you why I bought it. I just liked the look of it. Mm. And was it, did you did you buy a brand new one? No, 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 it was second hand. We um we went into Blue Mountains. I think I got it from some young fellow in the Blue Mountains there when he was going back overseas and he wanted to sell it. I think we got it for a reasonable price, I think. Who knows? Mm, mm. So that would have been um a while before even we met in, in Canberra, um early nineties no. or was that in the eighties when you were riding? No, no, I had it I, I had it just before I joined Wimmer actually. Oh. I hadn't had it that long. Okay. Okay, yeah. And what about motorcycling then in general? Like what appealed to you to that that you thought, I want to not only save up and buy a motorcycle, I want to buy this one, but, you know, did you know people who were into motorcycling or how did your sort of interest in that come? No, I didn't know anybody who was into motorcycling. Um, I did did have the Beamer, so the Beamer was before Wimmer and I must have joined the BMW Club in Canberra. Um, And it it was okay, but I was a bit of a rookie rider and... And the people riding in the BMW club were quite um, were quite experienced, I guess. So they kind of left you behind. And when you went on a ride with that club, you sort of <laughs> you didn't see them until you stopped somewhere, and then oh, there they were. So it was kind of it. 
kind of wasn't meeting whatever it was I needed and that's when I saw the ad for women and thought I'd give that a go um, because with with women, the women, uh, there were experienced women but also those experienced women stayed with the, the less experienced riders and gave them hints um, and helped them with stuff and it was just more camaraderie, I guess, uh, in that respect. Mm. Yeah, I totally agree. I found that was, I mean, I had not really ridden with, with other groups because I was quite an inexperienced motorcycle rider myself. When I first uh, moved to Canberra, I think I'd probably only had it for about six months. And um, <clears throat> I, I found that too straight away that it was so supportive being, I don't know whether it was that particular group of women or whether you would, you know, I guess we'd hope to find this in any um, group of women uh, riding together that there was never anyone like left behind and I remember always being told you know to keep an eye on your mirror so that the next person behind you if you stopped seeing them in your mirror for any more than you know what what, like a half a minute or something yes um just to sort of slow down and if they still didn't appear then to you know stop and then and then go back if you need to go back and check them out yes and this has happened you know obviously a couple of times I remember with of course with um with Susie for uh, losing it on the Clyde Mountain yeah, going to to the beach. Yeah. And so if you were on that BMW ride, you know, and you ended up, like, losing it, like, by the sound of it, literally no one would have even known no, or No, it, was, it was kind of often like you were there riding on your own. It, you, you weren't part of a group, which which was, I guess, the experienced riders were probably riding as part of a group and, and the guys who were mates. But I, I didn't know them and, and it was – yeah, I got to know a few of them, but you never really became friends, good friends with them, and that was that was, I guess, what was what was missing. Whereas then you join the the women's group, uh, you join Wimmer, and and you, you had these friends, you had you and 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 the the other girls. I mean, the Fionas and the Megans uh, in that group, which and that, and I just gelled with that. That, that lot you, you were just really lovely people oh. and I thought this is this is my mob so yeah, yeah. so then we did shit stuff together <laughs> whoops 50 cent fine um no we did do stuff and what I liked about Wimmer as well and often with other um when groups of like-minded women get together in any kind of like group or club or anything is that they'll also do other things that are not necessarily just like having that meeting so I remember we used to have lots of fun social adventures like playing laser tag or um um, even riding horses one time. Um, oh, absolutely, yes. That was interesting, wasn't it? Hey, yeah. Why would I do that? <laughs> Let's go ride horses. Okay. <laughs> yes, I think that was up That was up around Kosciuszko, wasn't it? Uh, no, no. It was actually near Myron Bateman. <laughs> oh, was it? Oh, wherever. But, yeah, me, horse, no. It's, it's, a, it's a big animal and you fall off. I mean, that stuff hurts, you know. It's, Oh dear! Did you have Brenda any other? I should just remind listeners on on the SFM um, with Kath on uh, Women's Voices, and I'm talking to Brenda Donjits, who is um, a motorcyclist and a, an adventurer and lots of other things. Um, did you have any other crashes of note other than the when the foot peg went through your leg? Did you ever have any high speed incidents? I didn't have high speed incidents. I did. In in Canberra, I just put new tyres on my motorbike, ready for some rally we were doing, and I think we were. It might have been going down. I don't know where we were, but um, in Canberra, I was going along there near Philip, and I'm just minding my own business, and this car pulls out on one of those little side streets, uh, you know where where all those little shops are and all those little cul-de-sacs are in Philip there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yes, this car just pulled out and I T-boned them and went over their bonnet and hit the ground. Oy. But I, it, it wasn't a high – I wasn't at high speed and mm. I was okay. Mm. I actually just laid there and went, okay, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> I put my hand up and said, yeah, don't run over me cars. I'm all right. <laughs> um, and, then, and then eventually picked myself up and <laughs> and went, oh, I probably should go and check myself out. And I was okay. Yeah. I was a bit sore. Um, but How the about the bike, okay. more importantly? <laughs> No, it, it 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 had its um it had its front end damaged, and I had to fix it before I was doing whatever it is I was doing. Oh. Um, now I can't remember what I was doing. I'm going for some ride somewhere, who knows? But anyway, okay, I, yeah. I wasn't hurt. Yeah, um, it, it's hard to pick out individual rides and things. Really, they all kind of like. I mean, we are talking, you know, roughly twenty years ago here, <laughs> so they do tend to um blend together a bit. And you, do you still have a motorbike, Brenda? No, oh come on, Kath, I'm 60, 
Blooming years old. <laughs> Does it matter? Think of the Ulysses Club. <laughs> yeah, and I suppose, but there comes a point in a woman's life when I think comfort's a little more important than than excitement and adrenaline. <laughs> yes. And and you know, the sleet, the rain, the hail, the wind, the heat is it's much better coped with in an air conditioned car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or a heated car than, than on a motorbike. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and my priorities have changed, I have yeah. to say, um, when it comes to motorcycling is you, you can have so many toys. I've got a boat, so <laughs> boat, bike, mm, yeah, and I live near the coast now, so, yeah, there's a, uh, yeah. Yeah, motorcycles don't so float. There's so many toys a person can have. <laughs> That's right. Well, it's really interesting that you've got a boat as well. And also, do you, I know that you've done some travels around Australia with a either a van or one of those really kind of kick-ass trailer uh, caravan things. No, I did, well, I, I had it? a caravan, yes. So we, I, I sort of hung around Canberra there for a while in, in the public service where I you know, did, did, a, did my best to, to save into my super scheme so I could retire at a, a relatively good age where I can enjoy stuff. So sort of I worked at Tyro there and then I worked at CIT. Um, probably those two jobs were about 10 years each. And then I went up to the territory where I spent. This is Yas FM 100.3, bringing you the best of Managing an Indigenous community for a council called Roper Golf Regional Council. And the it was about an hour east of Catherine where I stayed. So as the council manager, you stayed in the middle of this Indigenous village. You, you lived in a house and you were surrounded by by the, the countrymen there or the countrywomen. And i got to say it was challenging, but one of the best experiences of my life for appreciating Indigenous culture, particularly now with, with the uh, referendum we've just had and the disappointment um, that that brought about for a number of Indigenous people. But for, for me, I, I just walked away from there with so much more respect for Indigenous culture, that that's it, it was it was an invaluable experience for me, but still really challenging. You know, had all those social issues that come with living in a community like that. Um, but the things I saw there, the places that that my workers would take me to, that people just don't get to see. And there's a little town there called Numbawa on the Gulf of Carpentaria, but on the NT side, and it's it it was it's this beautiful beach as you drive into it and there's just water f- for miles around of course there's sharks and crocodiles and stingers but apart from that <laughs> it, it, it was it was beautiful country um it's into the Roper river up there which is what i named my dog after um i, I did get a camp dog because that's what happens when you're in the middle of a community you, mm-hmm. you rescue a dog <laughs> um um the Roper river up there near near nooka um which which you can fish for barra um, just the beautiful spots where I lived, there was a, a sacred site um, called the Beswick Falls there and just not very many white people got to saw it and it was just so pretty that that it, it's it just the, the, the lovely things that I got to do as well as all the experiences I learnt when I worked as a council manager. Um, but what, what I took away from there was a... a a great respect for Indigenous culture. So I was lucky to do that. Um, and then I retired up there and then we went tripping around in the caravan, uh, <laughs> which which had its own adventures, I must say. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm sure it did. Yeah. We'll, well, we'll get to some of those in a minute. But um, first, that's just really interesting what you say about um, having that experience in an Indigenous culture and, as you say, the like disappointing result in the referendum. Um, because most people, I think, really have absolutely no idea I mean, myself included, my, my knowledge is quite limited. Um, I've done a, a few kind of um, workshops and things to, to gain a very little bit of experience, but certainly not had the experience of living out in, you know, a community like that. Um, and um, being privileged enough to see all that kind of thing. What, what, kind, of, what kind of aspects, I suppose, of the community, um, the culture um, struck you the most? Just the... <laughs> There's, it was really quite, it was mixed because you, you had the social issues associated with alcohol. 
but then you had the, the, the women's groups um, and the art centre where that the, the women sit around and they they would they would weave their baskets. They would go out and collect the what is it the papyra? Pa, yeah, I think it's some sort out. of ref, it's a, some sort of grass. Yes, yeah. yes, and and they would collect that, and and it would have to be a special collection. That you can't just be any particular species of this plant. It had to be a particular one, and you had to peel particular leaves off it so that you could weave the baskets and then they would go and collect the nuts and 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 the and the the earth that that they would dye it with um and then they would sit around and they would make these baskets uh, they would paint uh, and, and and do their paintings they would collect the beads to do their their jewelry um and you just sit there and watch them the dances that they got you involved in um the the, the Learning what the moves meant in the dances um, with with the men and the women. Um, so just just seeing part of the culture uh, was was amazing. But just learning about the people and what what hardships they endure to get where they got um, and to do what they do. And the other thing about Indigenous culture is is the time. It's 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 today today will take care of, tomorrow will take care of itself so today we get through today what happens tomorrow happens tomorrow so it, it was i don't know if that makes sense but mm-hmm. it was sort of just what we do today is important don't worry about tomorrow until it happens yeah yeah so but just just the, just the the appreciation i think of of the culture as a whole and possibly what we miss by not knowing about it. Mm. Yeah. yeah I'm I sure, guess that's... I'm sure it's a great deal that, that, that we miss. Um, with, the, with the dancing and, and the sitting of the women you were talking about, um, yes. I've just often wondered, does, is there sort of like, do they have like, I don't know, a, a weekly or a monthly dance or is it something that just happens spontaneously? Is it incorporated somehow in what they're doing that, that day or is it more of an... Um, the, like a in the town that I lived thing? in, like what happens well, with the dancing? <laughs> it, it was a part of a festival. So Beswick had the Walking with Spirits Festival, ah. um, and part of that, then pre that, that they would sort of practice these dances, and uh, and the art centre would do a lot of uh, weaving and 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 groups with the women uh, to, to practice what they were doing for when the, the tourists came uh, in for that that ceremony or, or and so then they would they would do ceremony on the day of this uh this festival uh so that that people could be included and that's where you started to see the dancers they didn't they didn't generally do it um just you know off the bat it was usually something that was a, a, an event that was occurring where, mm. where they would practice that but they still had they still had boys ceremonies um, which I had absolutely, I was not allowed to have anything to do with. Um, the, 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 the boys would go out and, and have their boy ceremony where I, I believe that, that they were circumcised actually. Um, which, and, and these are old, older boys. So the ceremony where they go from boys to men, mm. uh, and the men would take them out into this special place in the bush and they would do whatever it is they do to, to these boys to become men. Mm. Um, but really they never talked about it with the women and I never saw it. I know I was not ever allowed to go near it um, when it was happening. I had mm. to stay away. So any council work that, that we had scheduled uh, for, around those ceremonies wasn't allowed to take place anywhere near where those those men's ceremonies were taking place. Yeah. Same with the women's ceremony. There was a – was funny, there was a young lady um, up there worked at the – the health clinic, uh, not in my town, in one not far from me, and she was trying to to um, have babies or get pregnant, and she couldn't get pregnant. And the women took her to this special site. Uh, it was a special rock somewhere, and and they did a ceremony for her, and 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 it it was a fertility ceremony. Um, I, I don't know if it's linked, Kath, but she did get pregnant not long after that. Mm. Uh the the knowledge in in um. 
especially the women's knowledge, you know, um, who are the keepers of that sort of thing, is absolutely incredible. I mean, I heard a couple of Aboriginal women speak years ago and they'd written a book about the plant resources um, at the from the place where they lived and they said, you know, there's, there's the ceremonies, of course, and they're, you know, obviously highly spiritual kind of people connected to the to the land and spirits and that kind of thing. Um but they said, you know, like they have the knowledge of herbs and plants was such that, you know, there's herbs for getting pregnant, there's herbs for not getting pregnant, there's herbs for stopping being pregnant, you know, like basically yes. any anything that, that they could can totally control their um their their fate in that regard with that knowledge, which is sadly, you know, being lost. But that's really beautiful to hear that they had um, you know, that, that sort of ceremony. And I've been privileged to see some sacred sites down in New South Wales, uh, you know, um, Galaga or Gulaga, the mountain near um, oh, yes, yeah. yep. down the coast. And so I was part of a group that had permission to go up to uh, the sacred site up there. And the, the, the rocks, the size of the rocks was unbelievable. I never seen anything like it. And up there were things like that, um, there was a birthing rock and a, a wedding rock and a, um, something for healing and, uh, all that kind of thing. And, um, to us, you know, you just think, what do you, it's just a rock, <laughs> you know, but to, oh, to people with that culture much. and that, and that, and, you know, how they are so intimately connected with the rocks and the, the spirits of the land, it's a completely different, place and a completely different thing isn't it yeah and, and you're right it's the spirituality uh and, and their belief in the spirituality that that is the important the important thing there and what, what whatever happened with this young woman um she, she did have a couple of babies after that um so uh, you know I, I can't discount anything mm. uh, that 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 happens really no um no. If, if, if if that was if it was psychosomatic and it made you get pregnant well Go, I say. It still works other way, right? Yes, it still works. Yes, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, um, with that and with that much knowledge, they're going that that back that far. Like I was struck, you know, when I went to Europe just recently, as I said, and I went to quite a few museums or archaeological museums um, sites. Like we went to some Roman ruins where there was the remains of a chariot racing track, for instance. Um, I went in um, Croatia to a museum that talked about. Um, what's called the Vucidol culture, which is um, a culture that was around about 6,000 years ago and they have lots of artefacts and they did amazing pottery with astrological kind of signs and predictions and stuff on the pottery and things like that. And you think, wow, that's all really amazing. But the whole time I saw all that stuff, I was thinking, you know, we're talking about stuff that's like 3,000, 4,000, you know, at the most 5,000 years ago. And I just kept thinking, you know, of this 50, 60, 70,000, how many it actually is, um, of history in Australia um, that most of us still really just don't know anything about and oh, it's not, you know, yeah. celebrated. I mean, you know, in every area, like I'm thinking, where's the Aboriginal History Museum in each area, in each town, you know? Yes. I mean, there could be yeah. one because the amount of, of knowledge in, in every single area of Australia, you know, would be such that, that you could have something like that. Where are the teachers in the schools teaching, you know, every school mm. – I, you know, think should have like an Aboriginal cultural history teacher so that kids actually, you know, learn and can appreciate some of this stuff because it's it just is. not, not recognised and not, not um, for what it is, which is, you know, literally just incredible. But it is, it isn't written. I, I think the language isn't written. No, it, it's verbal. And the, I had the privilege of meeting a, an old lady, and I, I believe her name was Margaret Catherine, and she, she passed away a number of years ago now. But I remember talking to her because when I was at the council, I was also an animal welfare officer, so I would do a lot of work with the, the animals in communities. Um, and this old lady had a number of little dogs, which is unusual to see in communities because they're usually big hunting dogs. Um, she was talking to me. She had on her, on her uh, mantle a picture of her and Kenny Rogers, her and the Dalai Lama, um, and she was telling me she remembers the first time she ever saw a white man, the yeah. first time she ever saw a white man. That that and this is I I'm talking to her of her memories. Now that was pretty profound. Mm. And this woman she knew a, a whole lot of indigenous languages because I think the languages are slightly different in each location you go to. Yeah. Um, and she was the 
the, the lady that must have communicated as they walked along um, because she knew all these different languages. So she would go, they would go from one place to another and, and she was a communicator. Um, I, I, anyone out there knows what that's called, please enlighten Kath. I, I can't remember the name of that person. But just to, to meet somebody who remembers meeting their first white person, that, that was completely amazing. Yeah, that is incredible. And mm. how, how did she get to meet the Dalai Lama then? Did you ask her okay. that story? Not, not, not. <laughs> I went, oh, I said, oh, gee, that's the Dalai Lama. She said, yes, okay, must have, maybe he visited Darwin. I don't know if he, how much maybe? he, I have no idea if he travels like that, but maybe he does. <laughs> Mm, yeah, there was a picture. Yeah. So what can I say? I, I, I think I was busy taking care of an animal. I'm not really sure. <laughs> Just like, I remember being impressed. Yeah, right. Well, you don't – it's not sort of most people's houses that you rock up and see a picture of them with a the Dalai Lama, is it? Kath, <laughs> I, I remember asking, but I can't – I don't remember the answer. Yeah, yeah. Which is probably bad. But, no, you know, yeah, again, okay. forgive me, I'm 60. <laughs> the, the brain's going. <laughs> Oh, look, I, I know, I, I hear you. I feel like mine's only hardly together. And I really like what you said earlier, the thing about just let today or let tomorrow take care of itself and just focus on today because, I mean, my brain at the moment, I feel like I can hardly even focus just on today, let alone tomorrow. What is even that? It's way too far away. <laughs> and, you know, they didn't, they, didn't have, they didn't have those stresses. Look, we, we sit here and we – my mum taught me to have goals, right? And so you save up for goals, you have goals, you've got to have a goal in order to go forward in, in life so that you've got something to look forward to. Uh, the Indigenous people, they, they just look forward to the day and then when tomorrow came, they look forward to, to that. It, it, was, mm. it was quite different and, um, and, and, and quite amazing. And, and just you, you, know, you come into a community like that and you have your own experiences, but you can't put your experiences onto these people because they have their own. Like, chuck me in the middle of a bush, I, I, would, I would die. Oh, chuck them yeah. in the middle of the bush, I'd know how to get out. Mm. Yeah, and that's such an important, obviously, isn't mm. it, the difference between life and death, that these people know these mm. things and the rest of us don't. Um, I was just talking to um, uh, my husband, Hector, this morning, who um, I said I was talking to you this morning, Brenda, and I said I hope you tune in. <laughs> Hi, Hector. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, about about something like that, that if society collapsed, for instance, you know, most of us, like, would be just starving because we have absolutely, <laughs> dead, yeah, we have absolutely yep. no idea how to actually get food from the environment. You know, once your freezer's empty or once the shops are empty, what the hell do you do? And I'm um, going back up to Beswick. <laughs> Well, exactly. If you're lucky enough to know somebody who who knows how to do it, then yeah, that'd be the thing to do, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> on YesFM, everyone been listening to um, Brenda Donji's telling um, us some of her adventures, particularly um, up north with the indigenous uh, people up in the uh, no, the Gulf Carpentary. Did you say? Uh, the, the Gulf Country. Gulf Country, yes. yeah. And so, Near Catherine. Yeah, Near Catherine. And so you mentioned, which was not where we were going to start talking about, but it doesn't matter. Not really, no. <laughs> uh, this is what my show does. It just goes everywhere. And um, so you mentioned, you know, the rite of passage, basically. Um, um, the men's event, ceremony. Ceremonies, thank you. Ceremonies for the men. And that the, the girl who... Um, had some sort of ceremony to be able to conceive. Do do you know, was there any rite of passage sort of things that the women did with girls generally? Like, for instance, when they started getting their period or anything like that? Would you, did you ever hear of anything like that or any other women's rite no, of passage? No, I didn't. I didn't. Um, and I don't know why I didn't, uh, unless it was a, a bit more uh, secret than they led on or, or it happened before I got there. It certainly, I don't, remember there being the girls that went away with the women. Mm. I only remember the boys going away with the men. Mm. Okay. Um, and I suppose also as like a white person, basically, there there is a lot clearly that, you know, you, you only are allowed to know certain sort of things, right? Yes. Yeah. That you're not going to know everything and mm. they certainly wouldn't invite me along. Mm. Um, not, not unless you were, uh, you know, you you became you were adopted into a member of the family there, um, and it wasn't something that 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 happened to me. Um, I tried to keep being the council manager 
separate. Uh, so, I, so that you didn't have, you, know, you didn't play favouritism, that you were just a, an independent person there doing what you had to do for the council. Mm. Um, so I never really got adopted into any family, but I know of other managers that did. Um, and I know of, of council managers that, that have stayed in communities and adopted children. Um, but it just, it just wasn't me. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, oh, it must have been like a absolutely fascinating, um, time for you, I'm, I'm sure. Um, can, so Brenda, it's actually 13 to 11. Can you believe that? So <laughs> I, <laughs> I need to, <laughs> need to wrap up in about like, um, five minutes or so, but, um, okay. tell us a bit about your van adventures. So we're going to talk oh, about adventures yes. and we've been sidetracked, although that is a big adventure, what you were telling me about. Um, I retired. And I bought a caravan, um, an amazing one with an ensuite because, again, I like to be comfortable. <laughs> and then in order to tow the caravan, I was towing it with a Nissan Navara, uh, which wasn't really cutting the mustard. And so then I had to go and buy a Toyota Land Cruiser. <laughs> I'm, I'm the, sorry, that's advertised. I don't mean to advertise. Um, <laughs> no brand placement in this show. <laughs> yeah, yes. no. Brand, well, okay, so I bought this really good new. No, I don't care. <laughs> That is set up for towing and, and it, it's just never let me down. So I hitched up this van and went around Australia. Um, and, and just at, at the start, it was just me and the dog. And we started around Canberra. I mean, mind you, I retired and then, <laughs> and then my daughter, Jade, wanted me to help her renovate a house. So she bought this house in Canberra in Duffy there. Um, so, we painted and did all the new floors on that. So we laid laid these candine tiles and painted it all these lovely colours and put in the, the plantation shutters. It looks beautiful. And Jay said, yes, thanks, Mum. <laughs> and so well, in good. my <laughs> renovating mode, then then my sister said, could you paint my house? Oh. Yeah, okay. Sure, sis. So I went up to Gladstone and helped her paint her new house with also plantation shutters and new floors. Then Mum said, Brand, I'd like my place painted. <laughs> so mum lives in Gladstone. So I painted my mum's unit um, with the help of my sister's partner. And then my daughter bought a house in Logan Home here, which is where I am now in, in Queensland near Brisbane. And um, so we just, we painted this and <laughs> renovated this one. So Great van adventure. Yes, yes. Yeah, well, exactly. So I'm sort of parked up in these places doing all these renovations for a couple of years. Then I think, no, that's it. I'm, I'm now going. And so I, I took off and we sort of took off from New South Wales and, and did around the Alps there and sort of went across to South Oz and did all those places you do in South Australia, you know, minus Shark Bay where obviously there's a lot of sharks. And yeah, sorry. Um, and then did the Nullarbor across the WA. I had some friends over there that which you caught up with. Um, but honestly, everyone was, and it was in the height of COVID. So what what we did was travel when when we we were just missing lockdown. In every state we went, we were just missing lockdown. Mm. And so we ended up in WA just just prior to them locking down the border. And so we probably spent oh, eight eight. Six or eight months in WA while everything was locked down. Um, but we went south while everyone was going north and we hit the worst weather. It was like appalling the wind and the rains and the storms. And, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You're like, thank God I'm not on a motorcycle. <laughs> well, I did or in tent because, you know, we were being, we were being sort of blown away just with the winds in WA down there in the south. Um, they get some good winds there. I think they're famous for it, but we didn't know about them. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and then my youngest daughter got pregnant, um, and so we kind of then thought, okay, well our tripping's over. We're coming back here to be grandmummies. Mm-hmm. And how's grandmumming going? Oh, like what can I say for anyone out there that's just about to be a grandmummy? Then go for it. It's fabulous. <laughs> to anyone out there who is a grandmummy, well, gosh, they know how amazing it is. Really, we all think our grand kids are the best in the world 
Because they are, right? <laughs> oh, you wait. Your, your turn will come. Oh, I find that highly unlikely, but anyway. <laughs> oh, you did start a little late in life there, though, Kathy. You, yeah. you were a bit older when you started having yours. We actually gave up and thought you never would. <laughs> I know, and I, it was a very late stage decision. Because <laughs> you remember you were pregnant. You were pregnant doing that trip when we went to Tassie. <laughs> And you, 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 and you're eating every blooming piece of fruit on the planet because, oh. as as happens with pregnancy, one does get a little bound up. Oh, thanks for sharing, Brenda. <laughs> no, look, any topic. There's no taboo on on in um, the Women's Voices show. We can talk about anything. So yes, you know, uh, common side effect of pregnancy: a little bit of constipation. Common side effect a of travelling: <laughs> bit of constipation. Also, common side effect of travelling with ten uh, or eight other people. Um, who drive you mad every time you go to the toilet and you come out and they say, did you do a poo this time? <laughs> oh, listeners, I'm here to tell Kath was so bound up. <laughs> that it, it was, I mean, we tried everything. We were giving her psyllium husk. We were giving her fruit. We were giving her prunes. Nothing worked. The poor woman. I mean, yes, you know. well, thank you for your sympathy. And But, however, that wasn't the worst aspect of that adventure because here we are, a group of women motorcyclists planning a fantastic trip to Tasmania to ride around our motorbikes for, I think, nine or ten days over a Christmas period, I believe. And um, what what an adventure, you know, that is. And we were planning this and we're like, yeah, yeah, we're going to go on the boat. We're going to ride our motorbikes to Sydney and then we'll take the – the spirit of Tasmania or what it's called down to Tasmania. Then we're going to ride our bikes around. We're going to go down the East coast and take it easy. Then we're going to go over to the wild West coast and see what it's like. And fantastic adventurous plans. And then, you know, of course, then um, after all these plans start to be laid, Oh, look at that. Kath decided to get pregnant. So as a result <laughs> at six months, and this is the worst thing of the whole story at six months pregnant, I could not fit on my motorcycle anymore. And I have you to go not. in a car. <laughs> Did yes, so you you were driving, so we had a van. We had your mother. At, at no, she didn't come to. No, she didn't come to Tasmania. That's a different trip, Brenda. Oh, is it? Yeah, no. we Sweet took my mother to South to... Australia. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry, Mum. No, and there was no van. There was just a car carrying a heap of oh, motorcycle junk, and then everybody else on motorcycles. So, um, but I had my kids. I had my kids on on that Tassie trip. Yeah, well, you did, and they must have been taking turns on the back of different bikes. Yes, you must have had one and maybe one in the car. I don't really remember that much. But I just remember sitting in the car, looking through the windscreen, looking at everybody disappear up the road and just going, And um, and Tassie is a great place to ride a bike, people out there. It It is. is. (laughs) Pretty amazing places over there. It is, it is. Um, Brenda, we just about out of time here on SFM, believe it or not. Can you just just recall maybe like one highlight of when you did leave all the house painting and go on the van trip? What's sort of like the first – one or you know highlight that comes to mind you could share of an, in, uh, an adventure bay of bay of fires in Tassie and what's special about that um your uh, look the, was the outlook over over the sea um the really quiet camping spot it was a free camp so so you weren't paying we sort of tucked up in the corner there there was rocks there was a beach that you could walk down to um, it was just beautiful. It was a pristine beach and it was Tassie. It was beautiful. But that said, there was a lot of beautiful spots um, that, that we saw. But that one just has – that has good memories. Mm, it sounds beautiful. Where Where is the Bay of Fires? I don't even know. Uh, East Coast around St Helens, I think. Oh, okay. I must have been there. I don't remember that particular name. But yeah, I, do, I bit- do remember going to St Helens. Mm. Yeah, it's a little bit further up from there. So yeah, we had to sort of drive up a, or probably another couple of hours north of St Helens, I think. Mm. Mm. Um, and and we spotted it was a, kind of off the road a bit. We used to because it was an off road caravan. I had we used to go off road quite a lot, get bogged quite a lot, <laughs> try and get ourselves out of bogs quite a lot. <laughs> <It was laughs> what, interesting. What's the trick to getting yourself out of a, out of a bog? Because um, we had a car uh, in my overseas trip that was bogged that that um, they were having problems getting out, and and I'm going some I'm going to Braidwood this weekend and camping in my van for the first time ever as a bit of an adventure, and apparently it's going to rain and I might even get bogged. What's the big trick for getting out of a bog situation, Brenda? Max tracks. What's that? Max, well, the um, four-wheel drive oh. tracks that you can get that you put under the wheels. Oh, and what if you don't um, have and, those? Uh, <laughs> 
Well, then you have to start putting stuff under your wheels or digging your stuff out. It does get messy, Kath. Don't get bogged. <laughs> that's that's the, um, the, the answer. Don't actually – just don't get bogged. Really don't get bogged, no. But <laughs> a winch, which you won't have. No. Um, the push push like, what about uh, sticks and sticks and branches and things? Does that help? Yeah, I think they help, but you've got you to get them under the tyres so that the tyres can get traction. Mm, mm, yeah, okay. Um, right. Yeah, yeah. We just had the max track, so they mm. really help. Well, I've never heard of them before, so there you go. There's another tip. No product placement. <laughs> or, or, don't, or don't take your van down on the soft sand. That's also a good thing. Well, that's right. That's right. Oh, well, Brenda, thank you so much for joining me on Women's Voices. It's a 3 to 11, so I'm just going to um, finish with a little bit of a song before the news. And in um, honour of all the things we were talking about, Brenda, um, with the uh, Indigenous communities and all that kind of thing, I'm going to play Goanna's Solid Rock. How does that sound to you? Sounds fantastic. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for joining me. And I look forward to hearing about more of your adventures soon. <laughs> thanks, Kat. Jones. 